Welcome to Over in Smith, an H.P. Lovecraft podcast where we read the complete works of H.P. Lovecraft. And we usually make an audiobook of them if they aren't too racist or boring. Uh, today, we're going to be reading the next part of At the Mountains of Madness. And with me is someone who really likes fossils. What's up, Art? Uh, hey, you know, you know these fossils? They look weird, like a bunch of cephalopods. I really hope this doesn't have any portents on something we'll see in the future. <laughs> what could it be? Huh, there's this Ooh. one fossil that looks like a crocodile <laughs> eating a person. <laughs> I wonder what this could mean. I will I will still never get over because like okay, the nameless city is a good story, but as soon as you think about it, it becomes so fucking funny. And I know we keep on bringing this up because I, I don't even think the nameless city is like a top ten for anyone. But we mention it all the fucking time. It's just it's the joke of him seeing a picture of himself getting eaten by crocodiles is just so funny. <laughs> And being like, hmm, what does this mean? <laughs> like, I know that, like, th- these narrators are supposed to be at least, like, a little naive and a little bit clueless, but that was just, like, a bit too much. <laughs> but yeah, so we're going to be reading At the Mountains of Madness, which has been pretty good so far. Um, last we left off our protagonist, his party uh, part of them uh, went exploring in a plane. They found a real cool-looking mountain range uh, that is very unusual. And the rest of the party ended up going with them. Uh, they got there. They found all sorts of unusual things. They found a bunch of fossils. And then they ended up accidentally breaking through the ice and finding a series of tunnels where they found some bones like whole ass bones intact um the mountains are also interesting because they are pretty weather-worn even though like weather-worn and also would seem to have some man-made uh features on them that are also weather-worn which is concerning because they would have to be pretty old to be that worn out but also have like temples built into the side of them (laughs) Um, well, we don't know that the temples. Well, right. yeah, I mean, it's man-made structures. I mean, they're obviously the temples. They're obviously. Temples, I mean, what but we else don't know would you build on a mountain? I mean, I mean, obviously temples, but I mean, I could. <laughs> I mean, you could build a lot of things on a temples. McDonald's. <laughs> yeah, just McDonald's. Oh my god, what is this? An ancient McDonald's? <laughs> the, <laughs> they find they find the elder god Ronald McDonald. <laughs> Horror, horror of the meats. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so last we left off was they found this tunnel full of bones and stuff. It seems to be part of an extensive network. Um, there's lots of exciting, like, various things in there. Because um, Antarctica used to be, like, semi-tropical. Uh, which you would know if you read Marvel comics. Because that's where the savage lands are. <laughs> Yeah, obviously. I mean, Duh. we already know they're in the Savage Lands. They're in the Savage Lands. They're gonna run into dinosaurs soon. It's gonna be great. I, I'm gonna love it. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna they're gonna meet they're gonna uh, they're gonna meet Kazar. They're gonna meet and his uh, Zaladane. You know, Lord. Yeah, they're gonna meet Plunder. They're gonna meet a Devil Dinosaur 
and maybe Moon Girl. Sometimes. Sometimes. Sometimes, sometimes he's dinosaur. not in the Savage Lands. Sometimes he's hanging out with Moon Girl wherever she is. But obviously they're going to definitely meet. They're definitely going to meet Shana as She-Devil. So. Yes. Oh my god. I feel like I feel like if uh someone from the 1920s saw Saladin or She-Devil's uh costume, they would die instantly. <laughs> Especially Zaladane's, like, weird V-shaped one. You know the one I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. The one that requires her to shave. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, I feel like they would- You definitely see her mount. <laughs> Too much. It also looks uncomfortable, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Like, can she bend yeah. over in it? I don't know. Sometimes sometimes people sometimes people are, like, real into that stuff. Is that- is it- I just want to know, is it flexible material, or is she, like, in a turtle shell? <laughs> if she gets knocked over on her back, can she get back up? Oh, okay, but yeah, so our our rock nerd who is telling this story is very excited about all these cool rocks. It's a good time. Oh, yeah, he's super excited. He was upset. He was upset that the uh, that the land biologists were touching all over the rocks. But then he was just like, ooh, I get to touch rocks now. <laughs> <It was okay. laughs> but yeah, so they've completely diverted their uh, their plans to check out this place right now. Um, but yeah, let's get started. Perfect timing. My orange boy is here. All right. At the Mountains of Madness by H.P. Lovecraft. Chapter 2, Part 2. When Lake had satisfied the first keen edge of his curiosity, he scribbled a message in his notebook, and young Moulton ran back to the camp to dispatch it by wireless. This was my first word of the discovery, and it told of the identification of early shells, bones of ganoids, and placoderms, remnants of labyrinthodonts, yeah, that is how you say it. don'ts. Shouldn't they? More like lefrith and these nuts. <laughs> <laughs> that was so weak. You tried. That's what really matters. It's the effort you put in. A lesser a lesser person wouldn't have taken the chance. <laughs> Remnants of labyrinthodonts and thecodonts, great mosasaur skull fragments, Dinosaur vertebrae and armor plates, pterodactyl teeth and wing bones, Archaeopteryx debris, Miocene shark's teeth, such as Paleotheres, Ziphodons, Dinoceres, Eohyphes, Oreodons, and Titanotheres. There was nothing as recent as a mastodon, elephant, true camel, deer, or bovine animal. Lake had concluded that the last deposits had occurred during the Oligocene Age, and that the hollowed stratum had lain in its present, dried, dead, and inaccessible state for at least 30 million years. On the other hand, the prevalence of very early life forms was singular in the highest degree. Though the limestone formation was, on the evidence of such typical embedded fossils as ventriculites, possibly and unmistakably Comanchean, and not particle either. The free fragments in the hollow space included a surprising proportion from organisms hitherto considered as peculiar to far older periods. Even rudimentary fishes, mollusks, and corals as remote as the Silurian or Ordovician. 
The inevitable inference was that this part of the world, there had been a remarkable and unique degree of continuity between the life of over 300 million years ago and of only 30 million years ago. How far this continuity had extended beyond the Oligocene age when the cavern was closed was, of course, past all speculation. In any event, the coming of the frightful ice in the Pleistocene some 500,000 years ago, a mere yesterday as compared with the age of this cavity, must have put an end to any of the primal forms which had locally managed to outlive their common terms. Yeah, like, when you start putting into um, perspective how long ago the dinosaurs were alive, it is, like, almost unimaginable for humans. It's so long ago. We are closer to living to when um, the Great Pyramids were built than the uh, Tyrannosaurus was to when the Stegosaurus existed. Like, the Yester Aeons are so far apart and so big, it's hard to imagine. Um, well, unfortunately, you're wrong, because the Earth is only 6,000 years old. Uh, and, that's uh, right, because of uh, yeah. uh, Jesus or something. Yeah, uh, the, yeah, hu- humans and dinosaurs uh, live together. Yeah, Jesus uh, rode a dinosaur, have- I know. <laughs> yeah, that's... That's why Jesus was a, a really big character in the Flintstones, a documentary. By <laughs> uh, There's a picture of it on the internet, so it has to be real. Oh my god, speaking of, one of the, oh my god, it's one of the young, uh, one of the young little uh, shitheads. Um, and by young, I mean he's like my age. But uh, he fell for a hoax of like photoshopped uh, Civil War. Uh, photos oh, God. showing like tyrannic uh, like pterosaurs <laughs> and stuff uh being being shot down and he fell for it like super hard and he uh now he's with the now he is hitching his uh stuff to ken hoven who is the uh who is the guy who basically is one of the biggest like uh um young earth creationists oh god yeah, he has oh, a whole, I've heard he, of him. He has a, yep. Yeah, he has a whole series of uh, you know, middling uh quality uh ed- quote unquote educational films. Uh-huh. Yeah. Talking about Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, even the time between when Cleopatra existed and when the pyramids were built is way longer than you can imagine. Like, the Romans asked Cleopatra, like, hey, who built those over there? And she's like, I don't fucking know. It was a long time ago. (laughs) It was like 100,000 years before she even was born. But yeah, she's like, I don't know. (laughs) I love that kind of attitude. Me too, buddy. Lake was not content to let his first message stand, but had another bulletin written and dispatched across the snow to the camp before Moulton could get back. After that, Moulton stayed at the wireless in one of the planes, transmitting to me and to the Arkham for relaying the to the outside world. The frequent postscripts which Lake sent him by a succession of messengers, whose Those who followed the newspapers will remember the excitement created among men of science by that afternoon's reports. Reports which have finally led, after all these years, to the organization of that very Starkweather Moor expedition, which I am so anxious to dissuade from its purposes. 
I had better give the message literally as Slake sent them. And as our base operator, McTheeg, translated from his pencil shorthand. Fowler makes discovery of highest importance in sandstone and limestone fragments from blasts. Several distinct triangular striation prints like those of Archaean slate prove that source survived from over 600 million years ago to the Kamachian time without more than moderate morphological changes and decrease in average size. Kamachian's prints, apparently more primitive or decadent, if anything, than older ones, emphasize importance of discovery in press. Will mean to biology what Einstein meant to mathematics and physics. Join up with my previous work and amplifies conclusions. Appears to indicate, as I suspect, that the Earth has seen cycles or cycles of organic life before known one that began with archaeozoic cells. Was evolved and specialized not later than a thousand million years before, when planet was young and merely inhabitable for life forms or normal protoplasmic structure. Question arises. When, where, and how development took place. Later examining certain skeletal fragments of large land and marine Surian and primitive mammals, find singular local wounds or injuries to bony structure not attributable to any known predatory or carnivorous animal of any period. Of two sorts, straight, penchant bores, and apparently hacking incisions. One or two cases, cleanly severed bones. Not many specimens affected. Am sending to camp for electrical torches. Will extend search area underground by hacking away stalactites. Still later, have found particular soapstone fragments about six inches across and an inch and a half thick wholly unlike any visible local formation. Greenish, but no evidences to place its period. Has curious smoothness and regularity, shaped like five-pointed star with tips broken off, and signs of other cleavage at inward angles in the center of surface. Small, smooth depressions in the center of unbroken surface arouses much curiosity as to source and weathering. Perhaps some freak of water action. Carol, with magnifier, thinks he can make out additional markings of geological significance. Groups of tiny dots in regular patterns. Dogs growling uneasily as we work, and seem to hate the stone. Must see if it has any particular odor. We'll report again. When Mills gets back with light, and we start on underground area. 10.15 p.m. Important discovery. Orendorf and Warkins, working underground at 9.45 with light, found monstrous barrel-shaped fossils of wholly unknown nature. Perhaps vegetable, unless overgrown sesame is unknown. 
marine retia. Tissue evidently preserved by mineral salts. Tough as leather, but but astonishing flexibility maintained at places. Marks of unbroken parts at ends and around sides. Six foot to end. 3.5 center diameter. Tapering to one foot on each end. Like a barrel with five bulging rings in place of staves. Lateral breakage of thinnish stalks are at equator in middle of these ridges. In furrows between ridges are curious growths. Combs or wings that float up and spread out like fan. All greatly damaged, but one. Gives almost seven foot wingspan. Arrangement reminds one of certain monsters of primal myth, especially fabled elder things in Necronomicon. Those wings seem to be membranous, stretched out on frame of granular tubing. Apparent metal, apparent minute orifices in frame tubing at wings tip. End of body shriveled, given no clue to interior or what had been broken off there. Must dissect when we get back to camp. Can't decide whether vegetable or animal. Many features, obviously, of almost incredible primitiveness. Have set all hands cutting stalactites and looking for further specimens. Additional scarred bones found. But there, but these must wait. Having trouble with dogs. They can't endure the new specimen. We'll probably tear it to pieces if we can't Keep it at a distance from them. 11.30 p.m. Attention. Dyer, Pabodi, Douglas, matter of highest. I might say transcendent importance. Arkham must relay Kingport head station at once. Strange barrel growth at the Archaean thing that left prints and rocks. Mills, Bordeaux, and Fowler discovered clusters of 13 or more underground Point forty-five feet from aperture. Mixture mixed with curious round and configured soapstone fragments, smaller than one previously found. Star-shaped, but no marks of breakage, except at some of the points. Of organic specimens, eight apparently perfect with all appendages, have brought all to surface, leading off dogs to distance. They cannot stand the things. Give close attention to the descriptions and repeat it back for accuracy. Papers must get this right. An actual way scientists figure out if something is a bone or a rock is by licking it. I mean, that is the way people discover things before. You lick it. They have fun. You You, you yeah. lick it. But yeah, that's specifically how you can tell if something is bone or a, like a rock. Is if you lick it. Because bone is very porous. It will stick to your tongue. Yeah. Also, um, I have read about... Uh, they found some, like, several billion-year-old water. Uh, it was originally frozen somewhere. I can't remember where it was. It fell off of a glacier. And so they melted it down, and they had one guy try it, and he was like, this is nasty. <laughs> <laughs> That's all he that had to say gonna- was, this is gross. <laughs> That guy's gonna be turned into a fucking monster. He's gonna be turned inside out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they did God. find a uh, megavirus in a glacier, 
Which sounds very scary, except that Mega just means that it's, like, big compared to other vi- like, physically large compared to other viruses. Well, to be fair, the bigger something is, the wor- worse off it's it is. It's the scarier you know? it is. Yeah, so if you could see the bacteria, then that means it's definitely <laughs> going to be worse for you. That'd be so scary! <laughs> to the bacteria, you could see, like, the size of your <sighs> hand. <laughs> Yeah. You're like, guys. It's like those single cell organisms that look like, basically look like a gusher. <laughs> the for- I wonder if someone bit in Forbidden one gusher. We're not doing- Someone We're not doing it. the Tide Pod challenge anymore. We're doing the mega bacteria challenge. Bite into this giant bacteria. I mean, I'm sure if we ever found one that large, somebody would try just to see what would happen. Like, I'm curious, but I don't want to do it. at the very least, would squish it to see what was inside. I'd I'd throw it off of a high thing and see if it smashes. (laughs) If it splats, or if it bounces. Yeah. (laughs) It probably bounces. Love it. But yeah, I kept thinking that when they were talking about the soapstone thing, I was like, lick it! Lick it! I know you already know it's a stone, but just lick it! I just want to know what happens! (laughs) Just lick it. <laughs> they lick it and then immediately turn into a monster. Turns know. into a penguin. <laughs> oh, I... Okay. Here is what I'm thinking of. Like, for whatever reason, I was thinking of, like, the end sequence of, like, Super Jail. Like, one of them, like, <laughs> licks the stone and then just turns into this, like, five-minute-long rampage oh across God. the world. Yes. Ah, oh, man, I want to Super Jail again. Leaves the penguins untouched. For they are kin. <laughs> yeah. Give them a little okay. pat on the well, head. Lick the soapstone. Become well, penguin. Uh, they are kind of describing a penguin. Yeah, I, I also love that they're like, oh, we don't know if it's uh, animal or vegetable, even though they're like, it has wings. Well, it could have been built. Like someone could have made an effigy. Oh, that's true, actually, now that you say it that way. Yeah. But it's definitely an animal. It's a tomato obviously. with wings. <laughs> Well, you know, that is that is one thing that it can My be. My worst fear, it's going to give me indigestion. You yeah, need to pull the skins off first. <laughs> it's too much fiber. I can't digest it. It's, it makes uh, my tummy okay. upset. Let's go. Let's go. Okay. Objects are eight feet long all over. Six foot five rigid barrel torso. 3.5 feet central diameter. One foot in diameter. One foot in diameters. Dark gray, flexible, and infinitely tough. Seven foot membranous wings of same color, bound, folded, spread out of furrows between ridges. Wing framework, tubular or granular, of lighter gray with orifices at wingtips. Spread wings have serrated edges. Around equator, at one central apex of each. Of the five vertical stave-like ridges are five systems of light gray flexible arms or tentacles found lightly folded to torso, but expansible at maximum feet, at maximum length of over three feet, like arms of primitive uh, crinoid. Single stalk, three inches diameter, branch after six inch and five substalks each which branches after eight inches 
into five small tapering tentacles or tendrils, giving each stalk of 25 tentacles. On top of torso, blunt bulbous neck of lighter gray with gill-like suggestions, holding yellowish five-pointed starfish-shaped apparent head covered with three-inch wiry cilia of various prismatic colors. Head thick and puffy, about two feet to point with three-inch flexible yellowish tubes projecting from each point, slit in exact center of top, probably breathing aperture. At end of each tube is spherical expansion of where yellowish membrane rolls back onto heading to reveal glassy red irised globe, evidently an eye. Five slightly longer reddish tubes start from inner angles of starfish-shaped head and ends in a sac-like swelling of color upon pressure is open to bell-shaped orifices two inches maximum diameter and lined with sharp white tooth-like projections, probable mouths. All of these tubes, cilia, and points of starfish head found folded tightly down, tubes and points clinging to bulbous necks and torso. Flexibility surprising despite vast toughness. At bottom of torso, rough but dismally functioning pseudoneck without gills. Suggestion holds greenish five-point Five-pointed starfish arrangement. Tough muscular arms, four foot long, and tapering seven inches diameter at base, about 2.5 at point. To each point is attached small end of greenish five-vein membranous triangles, eight inches long and six wide at further end. This is the paddle fin or pseudo-foot which made prints in rocks from a thousand million to fifty or sixty million years old. From inner angles of starfish arrangement, project two-foot reddish tubes tapering from three inches diameter at base to one at temp. Orifices at tips. All of these parts infinitely tough and leathery, but surprisingly flexible. Four-foot arms with paddles Undoubtedly used for locomotion of some sort, marine or otherwise. When moved, display suggestions of exaggerated muscularity. As found, all of these projections folded tightly over pseudo-neck and end of torso, corresponding with projections at each end. Cannot yet identify positively to animal or vegetable kingdom, but odds now favor animals. But odds now favor animal. Probably represents incredibly advanced evolution of Rediata without losses of certain primitive features. Encinoderm resembles unmistakable local contradictory evidences. Wing structures puzzle in the view of probable marine habitat, but have use for water navigation. Symmetry is curiously vegetable-like, suggesting vegetable essential up-and-down structure rather than animals' fore-and-aft structure. 
fabulously early date of evolution, preceding even simple Archaean protozoa, hitherto known, baffles all conjecture of as or as to origin. Complete specimens have uncanny resemblance to certain creatures of primal myth, which suggests of ancient existence outside of Antarctic becomes inevitable. Dyer and Probody have read the Necronomicon and seen Clark Aston Smith's nightmare paintings based on texts, and will understand when I speak of elder things, but supposed to have created all earth life as a jest or mistake. Students have always thought concept form from morbid imaginative treatment to very ancient topical raditi. Also, like prehistoric folklore, things Wilmarth had spoken of Cthulhu, Cthulhu cult, pendages, etc. Hey, Wilmarth! Yeah, Wilmarth. Our, our protagonist Ugh. from Whisper of the Darkness. Yeah. Aw, we get to talk about him also, again. Like, also, like, like, I don't exactly know what the Cthulhu mythos is set like, because, like, because, like, we, we, there's a lot of unknown weird shit that we have, but, like, they have, like, Necronomicon, which I guess is proven to do weird shit, <laughs> depending on who you talk to. Honestly, the thing that they're describing kind of sounds like a Tolly monster, which is also known, Tolly monstrum is its, uh scientific name that's not a joke that's what they called it it is a a weird little animal that existed in prehistoric times uh it uh it's hard to describe i would google it but it's like if a fish imagine a fish but where the head is supposed to be there's just like an arm with a claw at the end and there's two eyeballs on stalks like looking out a totally monster which by the way wasn't discovered until um uh 1950 so i don't think that hp knew about them but we've only ever found like two fossils of them and yeah that's definitely what they looked like it's not like we're misinterpreting them (laughs) yeah i will uh I will send a picture of what they of what they put in um this I was uh, astounding yeah, stories. Yeah. I was looking them up. But uh I will tell you. Okay, so okay, as a person who does art, if you were to given if you're given that like two-page long description, god damn. Would you be able to draw? Um yes. <laughs> Cuz like god, that was That was very ugh. very descriptive. Yes, I could probably do it. Like I feel like I could see that detail on like a uh, like a diagram, yeah, something. But like outside of a, like a diagram or something, like man, it's mind numbing. It's it's just the amount of description giving is too much. Yeah, it's being it's being info dumped on something that I don't care about. <laughs> um. I'm just gonna imagine a totally monster from now on because yeah. I just love them so much. I'm gonna imagine one of those mo- one of those water uh, water uh, enemies from um, one of the water uh, enemies from Kirby, but just a little bit different. <laughs> yes, I like that. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna shoot some air at you whenever you fly over it, and you're gonna lose your sword uh, power up, which you saved <sighs> for the entire time, and now you're gonna have to just deal with puffs to deal with uh, to deal with the boss. It's gonna be awful. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Okay. Well, 
Let's let's get to the end of this. I'm I'm close to being. We're almost done. Out. You know this. You could do it. Yeah. No. Well, it also doesn't help that I had a headache and I was not expecting to read. I today. forgot that this was this much reading. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. It's all good. It's just uh, okay. Well, let's go. Fast field of study. Open. Deposits of probably late Cretaceous or early Indocene period, judging from associated specimens. Massive stalactites. Massive stalagmites deposited above them. Hard work hewing out, but toughness prevented damage. State of preservation. Miraculous. Evidently owing to limestone action. No more found so far, but we'll resume and watch later. Job is now to get 15 huge specimens to camp without dogs, which bark furiously and cannot be trusted near them. With nine men, three left to guard the dogs, we ought to manage the three sledges fairly well. Through the wind is bad. Must establish plain communications with McMurdo sounds and begin shipping materials. But I got to dissect one of these things before we take any rest. I wish I had a real laboratory here. Dryer better kick himself for having tried to stop my westward trip. First of the world's greatest mountains. First of the world's greatest mountains. Then this. If this last isn't the high spot of the expedition, I know not what it is. We're made scientifically. Congrats, Popote, on the drill that opened up the cave. Now, will Arkham please repeat description? I, okay. I sent you a picture this of a really Tully monster, by the way. Yeah, it's uh, it's so he weird. got a little grabby. It's just a funky little guy. He, that is, uh, you know what? That is a little guy. It's a funky little guy living in the ocean, yeah. having his best life. Because yeah. I was like imagining, I was like, I imagine H.P. Lovecraft saw some like uh, prehistoric fossils of various invertebrates and was like, "Ooh, that's spooky." Uh, but then I read more on the Tully monster, and it wasn't discovered until 1950, so, um, never mind. You probably saw some other stuff, though. No, but, yeah, that's, uh, I will say that is very much, uh, something. The sensations of Pabodi and myself at receipt of this report were almost beyond description, nor were our companions much behind us in enthusiasm. McTeague, who had hastily translated a few high spots as they came from the droning receiving set, wrote out the entire message from his shorthand version as soon as Lake's operator signed off. All appreciated the epoch-making significance of the discovery, and I sent Lake congratulations as soon as the Arkham's operator had repeated back the descriptive parts as requested. And my example was followed by Sherman from his station at the McMurdo Sound Supply Cache, as well as by Captain Douglas of the Arkham. Later, as head of the expedition, I added some remarks to be relayed through the Arkham to the outside world. Of course, the rest was an absurd thought amidst this excitement, and my only wish was to get to Lake's camp as quickly as I could. It disappointed me when he sent word that a rising mountain gale made early aerial travel impossible. But within an hour and a half, interest again rose to banish disappointment. Lake was sending more messages, and told of the completely successful transportation of the 14 great specimens to the camp. 
It had been a hard pull, for the things were surprisingly heavy, but nine men had accomplished it very neatly. Now some of the party were hurriedly building a snow corral at a safe distance from the camp, to which the dogs could be brought for greater convenience and feeding. The specimens were laid out on the hard snow near the camp, save for one on which Lake was making crude attempts at dissection. I mean, how crude could it be? Was he just like, was he doing like the equivalent of like biting into a burrito on the side <laughs> instead of one of the ends? <laughs> like there's clearly a grade that you should follow, but he was just like, nope, I'm going to saw it in the <laughs> middle. I like that visual. <laughs> Of just chomping in the middle of this <laughs> specimen. Good enough. He's like he's got um he's got a plastic butter knife, just sawing as fast as he can. This dissection seemed to be a greater task than had been expected. For despite the heat of a gasoline stove in the newly raised laboratory tent, the deceptively flexible tissues of the chosen specimen a powerful and intact one, lost nothing of their more leathery toughness. Lake was puzzled as to how he might make their requisite incisions without violence destructive enough to upset all the structural niceties he was looking for. He had, it is true, seven more perfect specimens, but these were too few to use up recklessly unless the cave might later yield an unlimited supply. Accordingly, he removed the specimen and dragged in, which, though having remnants of the starfish arrangements at both ends, was badly crushed and partially disrupted along one of the great torso furrows. An unlimited supply of elder things. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't, it's that one meme, I can't hold all these, I can't hold all these elder Use things. Use a tray. <laughs> yeah. Uh... I also like, okay, here's the thing. I understand that they're trying to describe the texture in a uh, text format, but every single time leathery, leathery, but uh, tough and leathery, but flexible, every single time I think that they're about to talk about like some like sex stuff. <laughs> every single time. Is this man about to fuck this specimen? <laughs> I mean, okay, have you seen how many orphans they were? It's too many. <laughs> Also, all the tentacles. I'm just saying, this Say is a little it. bit for everyone. Uh, this, uh, this specimen's looking uh, pretty good. Not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, like, please turn off the radio. <laughs> you can, okay. You can have one. You can have one. You can have one. Hey, you cannot tell us anything about what happens. <laughs> You can keep a journal, but you have to burn it after we leave. <laughs> now, just thinking, just like, like we're not gonna, we're not gonna say anything. We're in the middle. I'm just saying. I'm just glad you're not hitting on. Listen, anymore. God's eyes. It's very obvious. By listen, the way. God's eyes cannot reach this place. <laughs> we saw what those penguins are doing. It's not going to be anything worse. Yeah, honestly, the worst thing that could happen on this continent has already been done by penguins. <laughs> they have set the bar too high, frankly. Uh, uh, it's just, I don't know why every single time is it's like, every single time they'd be like, it's, it's, leather, it's leathery and flexible and tough. I'm Ooh, just like, leathery. dude, stop describing, stop describing. Stop describing your BDSM. Yeah. 
It's made to last. (laughs) Lake, you need to calm down. God damn. Results quickly reported over the wireless were baffling and provocative indeed. Nothing like delicacy or accuracy was possible with instruments hardly able to cut the anomalous tissue. But the little that was achieved left us all awed and bewildered. Existing biology would have to be wholly revised. For this thing was no product of any cell growth science knows about. There had been scarcely any mineral replacement, and despite an age of perhaps 40 million years, the internal organs were wholly intact. The leathery, undeteriorative, and almost indestructible quality was an inherent tribute of the thing's form of organization, and pertained to some paleogean cycle of invertebrate evolution utterly beyond our powers of speculation. At first, all that Lake found was dry, but as he heated, but as the heated tent produced its thawing effect, organic moisture of pungent and offensive odor was encountered toward the thing's uninjured side. It was not blood, but a thick green fluid, apparently answering the same purpose. By the time Lake reached this stage, all 37 dogs had been brought to the still uncompleted corral near the camp, and even at that distance set up a savage barking and show of lusciousness at the acrid, diffusive smell. It nasty. Imagine. Nasty. I mean, just, man, Lake needs to, like, really fucking get that shit checked out. Come on. (laughs) Everybody's like, God Damn, it smells like... He's like, don't worry, I got this. He hangs up one of those little pine tree air freshers in the tent. He's like, I got it. So the Gal uh, Tananabe uh, Lovecraft adaptation of The Shadow Over Innsmouth is going to be launching in English a little bit later. This oh, year. yes. It's probably going to be through IDW yes. like the other one was. Hell yeah. I... Love them. They're so good. Yeah, they are. I'm going to get the... I'm probably going to be purchasing the the Mounds of Madness. Uh, Oh my god, we should cover... Do the Mounds of Madness. Oh, there you go. (laughs) After this. There we go. (laughs) We'll have our buffer. Oh my god, I want to see how he draws this. Oh my god. Yeah! It's going to be... It's going to be good. Yeah, we can have a break between this and Shadow or Innsmouth, which is going to be a long, long and... Far from helping to place the strange entity, this provisional dissection merely deepened its mystery. All guesses about its external members had been correct, and on the evidence of these could hardly hesitate to call the thing animal. But internal inspection brought up so many vegetable evidences that Lake was left hopelessly at sea. It had digestion and circulation, and eliminated waste matter through the reddish tubes of its starfish-shaped base. Cursorily, one would say that its respiratory apparatus handled oxygen rather than carbon dioxide, and there were odd evidences of air storage chambers and methods of shifting respiration from the external orifice to at least two other fully developed breathing systems, gills and pores. Clearly, it was amphibian, and probably adapted to long, airless hibernation periods as well. Vocal organs seemed present in connection with the main respiratory system, but they presented anomalies beyond immediate solution. Articulate speech, in the sense of syllable utterance, seemed barely conceivable. 
but musical piping notes covering a wide range were highly probable. The muscular system was almost preternaturally developed. The nervous system was so complex and highly developed as to leave Lake aghast. Though excessively primitive and archaic in some respects, the thing had a set of glandular centers and connectives arguing the very extremes of specialized development. Its five-lobed brain was surprisingly advanced, and there were signs of a sensory equipment, served in part through the wirely cilia of the head, involving factors alien to any terrestrial organism. Probably it had more than five senses, so that its habits could not be predicted from any existence analogy. It must, Lake thought, have been a creature of keen sensitiveness and delicately differentiated functions from its primal world, much like the ants and bees of today. It reproduced like the vegetable cryptograms, especially the pteridophytes, having spore cases at the tips of the wings and evidently developing from a thallus or prothallus. <laughs> That's what I gave your mom last night, some prothallus. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. I'm just saying my phallus so good that 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 the horse made it. <laughs> uh, you know, some say it's, it's very pro-phallus. It's a very pro-phallus. <laughs> Unlike your normal thallus. <laughs> the average thallus. It's not an amateur thallus, it's a pro thallus. Like, reading this is just reminding me of all the weird, like, animals that have gone extinct through the years. Um, like, there was a goat that was cold-blooded and had forward-facing eyes. Um... Oh no! Uh, yeah. Oh no! <laughs> yeah. It also no. it also had bones that could that would like can, like its bone growth was ridiculous. Like it would its bones would never stop growing. Basically, it's terrifying. Oh. Okay, no, that's oh my god! What the fuck? Why did you tell me about that? <laughs> it doesn't exist anymore. It's extinct. No, but it's real in my head now. <laughs> it's gonna crawl out of my head. <laughs> What? Yeah, called forward face of guys beats predator. I think. Let me look this up. I can't remember if it was or not. Also, it was cold blooded. Keep that in mind. Cold blooded. That means. Oh God. There are cold blooded mammals that exist. I know. I I know, but still, it was a cold blooded predator. Yeah. Um, cold blooded goat. There it is. It's called uh Myotargus. They went into extinction about forty five hundred years ago. No, they're they're alive in my head. Right? <laughs> they they're they're <laughs> tulpa. They exist in my brain. They're gonna eat. They're gonna eat. Um. Fuck. Uh. Yeah. What did they eat? Diet. Uh. Heavily dependent on box. So they were still omnivores. No. No. They were. They. they well, everything's everything is uh is is omnivore. Um. Because like even uh. Easy proteins, easy protein. Easy pro well, yeah. Any yeah. yeah. A deer would eat your dead body if given a chance. If it was hungry yeah. enough. Which a deer which, has by the way, you can't eaten a dead body. <laughs> uh, 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 yeah. Uh the growth of bones in Myotargus is unlike any mammal and similar to crocodilians in showing slow and adaptive rates. Intermittently ceasing growth altogether and reaching somatic maturity by about 12 years. 
The pattern of growth indicates that Myotargus, in the same way as extant reptiles, adapted its metabolism to changing food and water availability. Oh, so basically it could just stop growing whenever it it didn't have enough food. But yeah, um, yeah, that was a thing that existed. So, like, this is not out of the realm of, like, there are animals that completely, like, uh, just completely baffle scientists. Like, there's just things about them that make no fucking sense. Like, for example, axolotls have a genome that is five times larger than the human genome. Well, I mean, they, they, their head is so empty, it needs to go somewhere. All the thoughts <laughs> are in their genome. All, that entire genome is dedicated to regrowing limbs. None of it is dedicated to brain power. <laughs> It's yeah. it's like what if I lose my arm, not what if I eat a bunch of gravel? Well, you know, sometimes the gravel isn't the problem. It looks like candy, <laughs> it's not my fault. Exactly. exactly. It's like when my little sister ate a spoonful of uh, vegetable shortening because it looked like vanilla <clears throat> icing. It was okay. It was okay. <sighs> you know, obviously, nothing bad happened. Yeah. They definitely didn't want to puke out. That's so gross. <laughs> Just some Crisco. <laughs> Literally, Crisco. literally, I understand. My family also uses Crisco. Yeah, at least with lard, it smells. Yeah, bad. but with Chris, Crisco doesn't smell like anything, and it doesn't look like anything either. Yeah. Well, it looks it looks like icing. <laughs> That's what it, it looks does. Like. Actually, now that you say it, it really does. Yeah. Um. But uh. But yeah, though, like, there's so many weird animals. Like, okay, I just I, I don't want to be one of those people. Because I'm not high, first off. But, like, it it's so weird. It's just weird that we are the way we are and that we interact with animals that, that are like that. Like, have you looked at a cat? If you think about it, they're weird. They're weird. They have 20 to 30 more vertebrae than us. Fun fact. They, they Like, they're so weird, but, like, we just act like they're normal. Also, humans are weird, too. But, like, also, also we're like plants? Like, we, you just put stuff in us and we get bigger. Yeah. We used to be tiny and then we got big. We... You know, the, it's so weird. We share, <laughs> at minimum, like, 60% of our DNA with everything else on Earth. Like, like I don't know what else to base it off of, but it's just weird when you think about it. And, like, like which is why I don't feel like I should be in my body. <laughs> <laughs> because I don't... <laughs> like, I, I mean, like... I saw pictures of lithops yesterday, which are little succulents that look like rocks. Um, and I went through, like, a whole, like, existential thing again about, like, since the first time I've seen them. The first time I saw them, I was only, like, eight, so that was fun. (laughs) There are fucking snails that live next to lava. There are snails that grow iron armor. I know. They're, they're just, they're just, like, fucking bottom feeders that look like rocks. They feel like rocks. Two cut them open and then they bleed. Uh, Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, it's so weird. Why are we on this planet? Why is everything so weird? <laughs> but, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, I can't. Uh, yeah, I just had to curse you with the uh, the go- the cold-blooded goat. I can't. I'm no, sorry. I hate it's it. like a Furby. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it so much. Furbies have four facing eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. All right, let's get back on this. On this. Uh, train this party. Oh, we're going to talk about Wilmarth War. Yes, our favorite just d- dumb boy, just really not making good decisions for himself. 
But to give it a name at this stage was mere folly. It looked like a radiate, but was clearly something more. It was partly vegetable, but had three-fourths of the essentials of animal structure. That it was marine in origin, its symmetrical contour and certain other attributes clearly indicated, yet could not be exact as to the limit of this later adaptations. The wings, after all, held a persistent suggestion of the aerial. How could it have undergone this tremendously complex evolution on a newborn earth in time to leave prints in arcane rocks was so far beyond conception as to make Lake whimsically recall the primal myths about the great old ones, who filtered down from the stars and concocted earth life as a joke or a mistake, and the wild tales of cosmic hill things from outside told by a folklorist colleague in Miskatonic's English department. Naturally, he considered the possibility of the Precambrian prince having been made by a less evolved ancestor of the present specimens, but quickly rejected this too facile theory upon considering the advanced structural qualities of the older fossils. If anything, the later contours shewed decadence rather than higher evolution. The size of the pseudo-feet had decreased and the whole morphology seemed coarsened and simplified. Moreover, the nerves and organs just examined held singular suggestions of retrogression from forms still more complex. Atrophied and vestigial parts were surprisingly prevalent. Altogether, little could be said to have been solved, and Lake fell back on mythology for a provisional name, jocosely doubling his finds the Elder Ones. At about 2.30 a.m., having decided to postpone further work and get little rest, he covered the dissected organism with a tarpaulin emerged from the laboratory tent and studied the intact specimens with renewed interest. The ceaseless Antarctic sun had begun to limper up their tissues a trifle, so that the headpoints and tubes of two or three showed signs of unfolding. But Lake did not believe there was any danger of immediate decomposition in the almost sub-zero air. He did, however, move all the undissected specimens closer together and throw a spare tent over them in order to keep off the direct solar rays. That would also help to keep their possible scent away from the dogs, whose hostile unrest was really becoming a problem. Even at their substantial distance and behind the higher and higher snow walls, which had increased quota of the men, were hastening to raise around their quarters. He had to weigh down the corners of the tent cloth with heavy blocks of snow to hold it in place amidst the rising gale, for the Titan Mountain seemed about to deliver some greatly severe blasts. Early apprehensions about sudden Antarctic winds were revived, and under Atwood's supervision, precautions were taken to bank the tents. The new dog corral and crude aeroplane shelters with snow on the mountainward side, these latter shelters began with hard snow blocks during odd moments where by no means high as they should have been, and Lake finally detached all hands from the other tasks to work on them. It was after four when Lake at last prepared to sign off and advised us all to share the rest period his outfit would take when the shelter walls were little higher. He held some friendly chat with Pabodi over the ether, and repeated his praise of the really marvelous drills that had helped us make his discovery. Atwood also sent greetings and praises. 
I gave Lake a warm word of congratulation, owning up that he was right about the western trip, and we all agreed to get in touch by wireless at ten in the morning. If the gale was then over, Lake would send a plane for the party at my base. Just before retiring, I dispatched a final message to the Arkham with instructions about toning down the day's news for the outside world, since the full detail seemed radical enough to rouse a wave of incredulity until further substantiated. And that is the end of chapter two. Oh, man, there was, like, a lot going on. That was, for just six pages, that was a lot of information. Yeah. Um, It was definitely a lot. I would also like to point out that uh, while snow is fantastic uh, at making a shelter, you should definitely put something between it and you, uh, because it will melt. (laughs) I know this from Winter Survival. I wasn't the one that made the snow fort. But uh, my sister did, and she ended up waking up in a puddle of ice. So that was really fun for her. I slept in a cold tent and apparently snored all night. Well, I mean, it's like, as a person who snores, it's hard not to. I couldn't, listen, I was very tired from that day. (laughs) But yeah, uh, be wary if you make like a little snow fort, it might melt on you. It's not fun to wake up to. But yeah, that was that was a lot. We yeah. didn't, so we got some elder things. Will Marth was mentioned, our favorite, just head empty boy. Uh, so this yeah. must have taken place before Whisper in the Darkness. Must I'm have. I'm guessing. Hmm? I mean, I mean, it might have taken place. Yeah, he, he, I mean, but... he was still alive at the end. He just yeah, was having just... a very bad time. <laughs> you know, some would say he was having a he day. Was, yeah. <laughs> he needed <Yeah>. a vacation. <laughs> yeah, but like from I will say that they seem to be describing something that seemed uh, horrifying, but when you look at them they look very They silly. do. <laughs> but at the same time, I feel like I would be scared if I saw a yeah. bunch of Yeah. I think it's cuz like most artist interpretations kind of look squishy, and I'm just I'm not afraid of anything that that looks squishy. Honestly, I'm not afraid of things that look sharp. I, all I need is, like, one thing to grasp onto and I can find something cute. So Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm the person who thinks leeches are cute, so, you I know. Mean, they aren't terrible. No, but, like, they're little, they're little slimy they're boys. Just some, the little they're just some little gross. slimy guys. Some funky little guys yeah. that like to live in the water. Yeah. yeah. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Um, well, um, yeah, but that was, uh, I mean, the, the description did go on a little bit too long, but, um, it's good. I everything we we found out was helpful. Yeah. Ugh. Well, I mean, we're gonna get into the more. I mean, th- th- if they're finding perfectly preserved, uh, perfectly preserved elder things, what if what if there's other spooky? Things, oh, like penguins. Oh god! No, no, <laughs> <laughs> no! Anything but that. <laughs> their 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 feet make little flap flap noises when they walk. We did get a good description of the dogs just going nuts. Also, that probably yeah. smells so fucking bad. It has to. It probably smells... Like, necrotic smells are already... Like, the, the smell of something rotting is already bad. <laughs> and then you add something yeah. that hasn't rotted in 30 million years. 
I mean, if you get it quick enough, you can cook it up and then, you know. Yeah, eat, why uh, did they just make know. bacon out of it? That'll see, we'll see yeah. if it's animal or plant then. Yeah. <laughs> just cook it up in a frying pan. We'll figure it out. Does it taste more like broccoli or like bacon? Um, It might taste like bacon wrapped broccoli. <laughs> and then you're Damn even it. more confused. No! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you have anything uh, else to say? Uh, no, I'm excited. Uh, I feel like they're doing. Uh, he's doing that one thing where it, uh, he builds it up, starts slow. This is a long story, so I'm kind of glad he's not going whole hog right away, so yeah. to speak. The technical well, I mean, term he, whole hog. Well, I mean, this is what he. This is generally what he does. He does the build up, gives you all the information, then goes hog wild and at the just, end. Just goes straight off the rails. Yeah. Just full on orgiastic. Uh, open a, a gate to hell. Um, there's a bunch of ghouls. Kind of fun. Yeah. All right. Anything else? Uh, not really. Okay. Well, this has been Over Innsmouth. And remember, you are an irreplaceable gash in the fabric of reality. Your keening static howl is like no other. And if it faded from the abyss, the void that would remain would be unfillable. And the mansions of silence would forever fill with your our lament. Okay, bye. Bye.